0: So I asked you this question during community time. Who do you trust the most and why? Let's skip the why part for right now. Who do you trust the most? Just shout it out. Your dog. I can see that. Who who else, who do you trust the most? Your beautiful wife. Brownie points. Nice work. Who else? Your husband? What was that? Your son? Yourself, you trust yourself, good. Me, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) We're starting a conversation about trust over the next few months, and we're calling it trust issues, which kind of has a double meaning, because it's gonna address a number of different issues related to building up trust, and it's also admitting that some of us have some trust issues with various uh, people and institutions and groups in our lives, Um, trust is a really dynamic thing. It's not a static thing. It goes up and down, right? You can trust someone more or less. You can trust uh, a company or a school or something more or less. So it's always ebbing and flowing in relationship. Uh, When I was thinking about it this week, I realized trust grows really slowly usually, right? can build up trust in a relationship over time, but then it can go down real quick. If you've ever been in a relationship where you felt like your trust was betrayed, you can drop trust a lot faster than you can build trust. And many people uh, have trust issues in their lives because of things that they've experienced, often which were really negative and hurt them. And some of us have trouble trusting people. We have trouble trusting our friends because... We've had betrayal in friendship at times, or we've had trouble trusting people in romantic relationships because of some of our experiences, or we have trouble at work trusting people because we know how cutthroat an environment work can be, and we're not sure who we can trust and who we can't trust. Uh, if you're a student, you might be wondering, we have our the Mill group today. Everybody give a round of applause to the kids who are with us this morning, thank you. If you're in junior high or high school, you're mostly trying to figure out how much you can trust the adults in your life, right? And how honest you can be with them or not. You can always be honest with the people who are sitting with you in church, okay? There are all sorts of reasons why trust can be really hard. More and more, I feel like I hear people saying that there's a new generation that's having trouble trusting authority. I'm not sure that's actually new. I think there's lots of generations who had trouble trusting authority. And many people in our own congregation in Mill City Church often come to Mill City Church with church trust issues. That you've been in a congregation or you've been in some place where you've had a bad experience with church in some form. You've been hurt or disappointed by God in some way. Or you're in the midst of trying to sort out some significant doubts or questions that you have about your faith and you're not sure how to do that and still trust God or people in a congregation in a church at the same time. And this can be really scary and really unsettling. So the truth is that probably for all of us, we have some trust issues, right? Family, friends, work, church, God, authority, something. Uh, but what I, what I hope for this conversation over the next couple of months is that it, for us to admit that it's one thing to just say, I have trust issues and then not really do anything about it and just kind of go, that's just the way it is. I'm not, I don't really trust X, Y, Z thing. Um, and it's another thing to say, okay, so I have a few trust issues in these areas. What can I do about that? How can I actively try to rebuild some trust in areas where I've lost trust? How can I heal from things that maybe have caused me to lose trust? Or how can I grieve losses that I've experienced in any of these areas so that I can begin to trust people again. That's what we're hoping for this conversation as we look specifically at topics like how do we trust God? How do we trust the Scripture or the Bible So we're going to be start talking about next week? Can we trust the church? Can we trust leaders? Can we trust neighbors? Can we trust coworkers? Who can we trust and how do we do that? And how do we step into that as Christian people who are trying to follow Jesus? So this morning we're going to start that conversation by saying simply... Can we trust God? First and foremost, as a foundational piece, how does our trust with God work? Can we trust God? And what can we trust God for is a really important piece of this conversation. And as we get started, I want to divide two versions of this question I think are really, really important. The first one is a much more general, what I call like a coffee shop kind of conversation, where you might be sitting with a friend in a coffee shop and they might go, Do you you think we can trust God? Like how can all these bad things be happening in the world and we can can all still assume God's good or that God can be trusted? And you might have kind of a philosophical, theological, general sort of conversation in a coffee shop um, that takes on a particular tone and you can talk about questions in that setting. But that's really different than somebody who's in the middle of something that's real hard. Or maybe a relationship is broken down, or they feel like they waited on God a long time and nothing happened, or something unexpected happened, and they're, they're suffering in the moment. They're in pain. And in that conversation, if you say, can God be trusted? It's a really different kind of conversation, Right? Because most of the time when people are going through that sort of thing, if you try to take it up to the 10,000-foot coffee shop level and go, well, it could be a whole number of ideas. It could be this. It could be that. It could be that God doesn't really care, you know. That just hurts more. So I had This professor that taught me this a long time ago, and I've always held on to it, it's one of the most important things I've, I've learned, I think, about separating these kinds of conversations to say, sometimes we're just talking about what the big picture is and what the ideas are so we can have an overall understanding. And at other times, we just need to like grab some dirt like Job's friends did. The best thing Job's friends did when he was suffering is get some dirt and put it on your head and just sit with your friend and don't say anything. And go, this is awful. What you're going through is awful. And I don't think there's any good answers to the questions you have right now. So I'm just gonna sit with you right here. And so if you're in that spot this morning where you're asking this question, like, can God be trusted? And you know you're in the moment going through something incredibly painful, the best thing I can say to you is that there are people in this room, myself included, who, whose best response for you would maybe just be able to sit with you and go, this is terrible. And we're with you. And we think God is with you too, even though it's not easy to figure out how. But the point of the majority of what I'm going to say tomorrow, today, is more about How do we understand this big picture? And and can we help reassure ourselves in general that God can be trusted and and how do we know that? So I wanna start by just laying out in in the Old Testament of scripture real briefly, a number of examples that show you simply that trust issues between people and God are very normal. Okay, we have a whole history of trust issues stories, starting all the way back in the beginning of Scripture with Adam and Eve, where God is saying, listen, I created this whole space for you, and I'm, I'm putting you here. I need you to trust me on a couple things, all right? All this stuff is for you. You can do whatever you want. You can name the animals, whatever you want, even if the names are really stupid, whatever you want to do. Just don't eat from this tree and don't do do not don't do this. Trust me, this is gonna be bad for you. And from the very beginning of the story of Scripture and our relationship with God, we're kind of going, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure I can trust you. I'm not sure you really have my best. Maybe it's really going to be better for me if I do the thing that you told me not to do. And we're testing that boundary. In some ways, the root of sin is mistrust of God. And so from that story on, you just have this ripple effect of ebbing and flowing of trust between people, individuals, groups, and God. And we have sort of story after story of God trying to tell people, please trust me. I'm trustworthy. I have the best in mind for you. And, and we kind of go, sometimes we're in the spot where we're like, yeah, we agree and we're trusting you. And at other times it's like, nah, I'm not sure. I don't think so. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, there's this kind of recap of some things that the Israelites have been through. God brings them miraculously out of Egypt, right? And then they're in this desert and they're trying to enter the new land that God has for them. They're terrified because it doesn't look like they can do it. And they refuse to go in. They say, God, we don't trust you to bring us the last step. And so the writer is recounting this and saying, now even after God has done all this unbelievably ridiculous, can't-even-believe-it miraculous stuff for you, you won't trust him enough to take the last step. And so therefore, you have to hang out in the desert for a whole generation. And and over and over again, with with, um, different characters in the Old Testament, we see this pattern being repeated. We're just not sure if we can trust God. Israel's not sure, we're not sure. Then you have these kind of moments where there are these miraculous stories of people trusting God in ways that are way over the top. Like the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three of the coolest names in the Bible. And they, they get in this spot where being, their lives are being threatened, and they have this great line where they say, even if God doesn't save us, we're still going to trust that God has the best in mind for us. Even if our circumstances don't go the way we really want them to go, we're not going to betray our trust in God. And they go through this miraculous saving experience of being thrown into a furnace and not dying and coming out and proving that trusting God uh, is the right thing to do. Daniel, in a very similar circumstance, is praying, and people accuse him of stuff and end up throwing him in a lion's den. And he has the same sort of attitude, like, I'm going to trust God no matter what my circumstances are. In Scripture, in places like Proverbs 3, it says, trust the Lord your God with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding because you can never understand everything, but in everything you do, acknowledge God and he will make your path straight. And then in Isaiah 30, we looked at the Scripture at the end of the last calendar year where it says, "In, in in quietness and trust is your salvation, but you will have none of it. So there's this, tension in scripture of trust issues where we're just never totally convinced that we can trust God sometimes we are sometimes we're not sometimes the best version of us trusts God when it seems ridiculous to trust God and we have amazing stories and at other times it thinks how could you not trust God in this situation and people still don't So I'm telling you all this just to go, hey, we're talking about this today. This is not a new issue. This is like the history of humans and relationship with God. Now, when we get um, to this place where we start to think about how Jesus teaches us about trust, what we have to realize is that trusting God has to go beyond our current circumstances. We have to be able to see trust in God as um, rising above whatever thing we're facing right now, which is not helpful at all if you're in that place where you're really in pain right now. So again, if you're hurting right now, I just want to say to you, the best thing we can do is sit with you in it, and I think God sits in it with you. Those of you who have been through painful times and trusted God are able to then look back on those things and start to see some redemption through them, right? But you can't see that when you're in it. So trusting God requires us to see a bigger picture and to understand the bigger story and to realize that there's been a history of us not being sure if we can trust God. Now, as I was looking at this this week and kind of reviewing this whole history and watching this ebb and flow of trust and relationship, this question just kind of dawned on me and I hadn't really thought about it before, so i to offer it to you to think about. I'll flip the question around And I said, okay, so as God looks at this story, does does God think that God can trust us? So it's one thing for us to go, can we trust God, right? But what what about from God's perspective? As God looks at our history and what he's done for us, do you think he can say, yeah, these people are trustworthy? I can trust them. I know they're going to respond well. They're my people. I've called them by my name. I know that they're going to step up when, when they need to. What do you think? It's dangerous sometimes when we put God in a space and try to be the, the judge of God. We always got to turn it around and then also say, and then how would God evaluate us? So if we want to know if God's trustworthy, we also have to say, are we trustworthy? If you're in a relationship, it's one thing to go, can I trust the person next to me? But you also have to say, can they trust me? And how can we grow in the space where God can really trust us to be faithful, even in the midst of really hard circumstances? I want to look at this text with you in John chapter 3. For some of you, it'll be a familiar text. John chapter 3 is this conversation between Jesus and a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus is an elite religious leader, and I think he's sneaking in the night to talk to Jesus because he's pretty sure Jesus is on to something, but Jesus could use a little bit of help in some of his teaching, like he needs a few tweaks, and Nicodemus is coming to help him, like you're saying some good stuff, you got to just make a half turn and you'll be there, and uh, Jesus isn't really into being mentored by Nicodemus in this conversation. And so in John chapter 3, Jesus starts to talk to Nicodemus about what it really means to trust, to put your faith in, to believe. The word believe and trust in Scripture are very close. Sometimes you'll see in your Bible the word trust. It could be the same Greek word as believe. They kind of go back and forth. I'm going to read you two different versions of this text today from John 3, 16 to 18. And I want you to look for the words believe and trust and, and think about how they inform our question, can we trust God, as I read them, okay? So here we go. This is John writing about some of the things that Jesus said. John says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. So whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Here's the version in the message which is written by Eugene Peterson, a kind of contemporary version of the Bible. Can you put that one up for me? Same text. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son Merely to point an accusing finger. I love that line. Telling the world how bad it was. That's not the point of sending his one and only son. He came to help. To put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in Jesus is acquitted, is forgiven. Anyone who refuses to trust him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one of a kind son of God when introduced to him. Just leave that up there for a minute, will you Phil? You see how Eugene Peterson switched the believe and trust language here in this version? Sometimes I think we ought to use the word trust when we see believe because in 21st century culture, sometimes believe just means thinking the same intellectual thing as somebody else. Like agreeing to something that you say is true. Where trust is way different than that, right? Trust is, I'm entering into relationship and I'm putting my life in in with your life. So when you see this line where it says, anyone who trusts in Jesus is acquitted that's different than just thinking jesus died for my sins it's actually turning your life over to that reality and to that person and saying i i trust you so i chose this text because i think what jesus and john are trying to say to us in this really important conversation with nicodemus is that trust is the foundation of everything else we have in relationship with God. Trust is the currency of relationship with God. Trust is the thing that we're building everything else on. And the trust that's described here is not circumstantial. Jesus is not not teaching us that if you trust God, all your circumstances will work out the way you want them to. He's saying If you make the active choice to trust Jesus with your life, then your life is saved and you are redeemed and you are forgiven and you have a new life that goes on forever because your relationship with Jesus goes on forever. So like with these three kids here today, we're sitting in front. Some of them have been dedicated in this church, right? And when they're dedicated, their parents stand up here and they go, Hey, we know that we can't decide for the three of you what you're going to do with your life. But we're going to do everything we can as parents and as a church community to show you that Jesus is worth trusting with your life. And then at some point, you guys get to choose. Do you think that Jesus is really worth trusting with your whole life? Not just believing in him or getting the ideas right so you can pass Anne's quizzes but to say you really want your life to be about living like, loving Jesus and becoming more like him because you see that in all these other people in this room and you want your life to be like that. Jesus is not inviting us to trust him because our circumstances are all going to work out, right? He says very specifically, in this world, Stephanie just preached on this on Easter, in this world you're going to have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And if you acknowledge me and you trust me in this life, I will acknowledge you forever and ever in the life to come. Jesus is modeling this trust for us in God the Father in a really different way than this idea that if if we trust God, everything works out. He's saying, um, despite the present circumstance, if you think about the time when Jesus is is on the night before he dies, he's saying to the Father, I hate the present circumstance I'm in right now. And I wish you would take it away from me. But, I trust you. And whatever you think we ought to do, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to put my life in danger to be the key foundational cornerstone of the story that the Father is writing in order to save the world and invite everyone into relationship with God. So can we trust God or not? Let me just say this. There's some things you can't trust God for and you ought to just cross them off your list. You can't trust God to keep you and everyone you love safe for your whole life. You can't. You can't trust that God is going to provide you every financial security you hope for in your life despite what you might hear on TV. But there are some things that we're invited to trust God for, and I think the best way to do this to highlight why we can trust God and what we can trust God for is to just look at the cross and ask, what does this symbol teach us about why God is trustworthy? All right, so just look at the cross with me for a second. Let me illustrate it for you. The cross teaches us that we can trust God for unconditional love. That no matter who you are or where you're from or what you've done, Jesus gave up his life for you. When we look at the cross, we can see that we can trust God for forgiveness for anything that you've done that's gone against what God wants for you. No matter how many times you've mistrusted God or been unfaithful to God, there's another chance. Yes? Feel free to respond at any time if you agree. When we look at the cross, we can say, we can trust God that even though we die, that's not the end of the story. And that gives us courage to live our life differently now because we don't have to be afraid of how it ends. When we look at the cross, we can realize that even though we might be in one of those moments where we're under so much pain and suffering, it's hard to know if we can trust God and it's hard to get up in the morning, we're worshiping today a God who gets that. A father who understands what it's like to lose their son. A a God that is not distant from the suffering of the world that he created, but one that enters into it. And has suffered more than we can understand or that we experience. So that when we are suffering and someone says, I don't get why this is happening. I don't have an answer for why this is part of God's larger plan. I'm not going to pretend to answer that for you. But here's what I do know. Here's what I can trust. I can trust that the God of the Bible understands what it's like to be suffering the way you're suffering because he's been through it. So while we can't trust God to make our lives smooth and to help us live gracefully to an old age of 135, what we can trust is that if we accept Jesus' invitation to trust him with our whole lives, that God will never leave us or forsake us. That no matter where we take missteps, Jesus will be there to forgive us if we ask for it. That if we offer our lives to the God of the universe, we get to be part of something much bigger than ourselves, way bigger than anything we can accomplish on our own, and that's something that has way more depth of meaning than just trying to satisfy our own needs and wants for how many years we have on this planet. You get to be part of God's kingdom project. So, is God trustworthy? Absolutely. Absolutely but not because all our circumstances are going to work out. Sometimes it's going to be hard. Sometimes it's going to be great. In both of those places, we can trust that God is with us. Amen? And that God understands us and that God has compassion for us and that God will live with us through it. If we trust that, we gain confidence and perseverance even in the hardest stuff. And we know how to support each other through that, Let me invite the band to come back up as I conclude. On the second Sunday of the month, we celebrate communion together. And as I was thinking about how to introduce communion today, I thought, you know, this is maybe the most concrete way, on a regular basis, that we can express our trust in God. When you come forward here in a few minutes, what you're doing is you're telling, you're telling the God of the universe... I trust you. I accept what you've done for me. I accept your unconditional love for me. And I know that I'm offering my life back to you as a thank you for for rescuing me. And, And when I pick up this bread as Jesus' body and I dip it in this juice as Jesus' blood, I'm remembering why God can be trusted. And I'm affirming that even though I might be in the midst of some horrible circumstances right now, I can still believe that God is with me in those things. And that changes my life and changes my circumstances to know that God is in the midst of it. Whether you've never taken communion because you've never been really willing to cross that line and say, Jesus, I trust you with my life. If you can do that and say, I accept the gift of Jesus' death and resurrection in my life, then you're welcome to come and participate in communion. And if you've been a Christian your whole life, today might be a day where you need to renew your commitment to trust God. No matter what. No matter your circumstances or where God takes you. That might be scary. But the God of this cross can be trusted. Amen? Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Jesus... Our Lord and Savior, we give you praise and honor and glory because you are amazing and awesome and holy and unlike anybody else. You faced all the things that we have faced, but you persevered. You were proven faithful and trustworthy despite many temptations and many opportunities to go your own way, you did what the Father asked you to do. And we respond and affirm that you are trustworthy today, despite our doubts and our fears and our circumstances. God, we have no other hope but you. Where our faith is weak, we pray that you would increase it. Where we have lack of trust, we pray that you would rebuild it. Where we're suffering, God, we pray that you would comfort us. Where we need your hope and your vision for our life, we pray that you would encourage us. Every one of us, Lord, is in desperate need of you in our lives, left to ourselves. We're a mess. And so we admit that we are dependent upon you and your presence, and we're grateful for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. And we come forward to express our thanksgiving and the forgiveness that you offer to each and every person from every different place, from every background, from every language and tongue. God, we are equal in your sight at the foot of the cross. We love you, we honor you, we praise you in Jesus' name, amen.